Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Biz Talks with Kevin Feely. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit down and be ready to take notes. This is Biz Talks. Here's your host, Kevin Feely. Imran, what's up, dude? Hey, what's going on, Kevin? Dude, thank you so much for being on Biz Talks with Kevin Feely. Let's talk some business. Let's do it, man. So uh, Imran owns the Ace Group construction company here in San Diego. Um, you know, big history in real estate and uh, is an overall successful, very, very intelligent entrepreneur. Uh, Imran, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do. So um, I've been in uh, the real estate development market in uh, emerging markets like Africa for the last decade. Um, alongside that, um, with real estate development, construction is a huge part of that. So um, we used that model and have opened up a construction company here in San Diego. And uh, so far, you know, it's uh, it's going very well. Yeah, you're killing it. So that's how we met. Um, I mean, you've done some work with us, obviously, in our office. And um, yeah, I mean, just absolutely great at what you do. Now, what? So t- tell us a little bit about how you got into business when you came out here, uh, you know, kind of some of the challenges that you had when you started the business and things like that. By the way, Imran is actually upstairs or somewhere in the same building that we're in. So if you see the same blue board behind us, uh, He's somewhere in the building, I think probably on the fifth floor. <laughs> Giving away my location, huh? <laughs> um, anyway, so how did I start the business and what were some of the barriers? Is that the, the question you asked? Yeah. So I think with starting any business um, in a new market, um, you know, for myself specifically, I think that it's something that I was already passionate about and I already had quite a bit of experience in. So uh, for me wanting to get into construction, it wasn't like, oh my God, like, I don't know anything about this. So I had quite a bit of knowledge from, you know, everything that I was doing before. But what was my hardest challenge was making sure that I could translate that knowledge into this specific market, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Having done the same sort of thing in, you know, a different part of the world, essentially, um, how was I going to translate that over here? So My first year was a bit difficult. It was an uphill climb because having to get all your permitting, your bonding, um, going through continuing education, um, you know, relearning everything that you already know. um, But, you know, just for this specific market and environment. Yeah. Uh, The other thing is California uh, probably has some of the higher stand highest standards for contractors. So, you know, getting in the door in this state opens up doors to many other uh, states, right? Yeah, yeah. So getting your licenses here, I mean, is like crazy compared to other places that are a little more free and less, uh, you know, everything's not as taxed as much. Yeah, exactly. Everything from taxation to labor to, you know, restrictions and requirements. Um, You know, if you're able to get through all of those uh, hoops, um, then you can do that. The other way, you know, is with any business, um, you know, starting a construction company, it's not like I'm starting something profound and new, right? There are people who have done exactly that. People own larger construction companies. So reaching out to them, finding out, picking their brains, you know, seeking knowledge is very important, right? Um, I, I hopefully will get to a point where we'll be building, you know, some new engineering marvel in the future. But as as for now, you know, 
Um, a lot of people have already done construction. There's so much technology and you know, there's so much to learn even within my own field. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is follow the formula. Yeah. Fo literally follow the formula. You I, don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they start businesses, they think, oh, I need to start this, especially like five, 10 years ago, everybody wanted to start the next Uber and app, uh, this, this new crazy thing and any invention that you start, you're just rolling into absolute unmanned, uncharted territory, which the chances of you being successful in something that nobody's done before is really, really low. But the thing is, if you want to do something that everybody does, whether it's a, a restaurant, a food truck, uh, you know, investing in real estate, starting a marketing company, whatever, just follow the formula that's working and be a little better or the mm -hmm. same as everybody else. And you'll get what they're getting, you know? It's so, so true. I mean, the way that I look at it is, you know, um, the construction business is a pie, okay? And the pie pretty much is the amount of business that there is. And right now, you know, there's not enough companies to even eat the number of slices of pie, yeah. right? So uh, that's specifically for my sector of business, which is construction is that there's in, in so much work that there's not enough contractors to meet the demand of work. Yeah. So with the rising cost of labor and the rising cost of, you know, materials, it makes it, you know, um, easier for us to come in. But then again, if you look at it, it's kind of a catch 22 because people don't want to work with new contractors. They want to work with people that have, you know, a history um, you know, when, when you're Googled, uh, is there an, enough reviews about you, you know, are, uh, there, there's, you know, a whole other section, uh, to, to the, uh, to the business. Right. Um, and then within construction, there's so many different specialities, right? You could just be, you know, an HVAC guy, you could be an electrician, you could be a plumber, you know, there's, you know, probably a hundred different, um, uh, sectors you can be in within construction you could just be in roofing so um, you have to figure out which trade you want to just hone into right yeah <clears throat> now so. now let's talk about uh a little bit about your real estate background so you if, if you want to let people know kind of the the real estate investments that you're in and um just that kind of stuff i want to talk about real estate and some of the power of that yeah, so I think real estate is a very interesting um, market to be in. Um, and um, so, you know, Warren Buffett says with real estate, um, if you're going to buy anything, you got to be ready to hold on to it for 10 plus years, right? Um, so as the market stands right now with the interest rates being at, you know, 6 7%, um, you know, it's still historically at one of the lowest points, yeah. right? It's not as low as what it was last year, two, 299 or whatever, um, but that's where it is. So I started in real estate in Kenya and I was uh, um, sort of a little bit had the upper hand because my grandparents had uh, some piece of land and I'd made a little bit of money and I decided, hey, let's start building. So we built a, a shopping center and we attracted some uh, A-class A tenants and, you know, we got in some banks and hospitals to move in and we expanded on that model for a few years and we found some some good success in building out strips, strip malls and strip centers. Mm, 
And now because, you, have a, you have a hospital now, right? Yeah. So, so because of, of, you know, doing that and learning and, um, you know, growing that, uh, the strip center, uh, business, I was able to attract some uh, other investors and we moved into residential, um, when we moved into residential and we also opened up our own construction company at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that sort of, you know, uh, snowballed into us getting into more, uh, retail and commercial. And we are now in the process of, uh, opening a hospital. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of been like a 10 year journey that I've explained to you right now. Yeah. And a 12 year journey in like, uh, the course of a few minutes, because, you know, when you build something or especially in real estate, sometimes it could take months, if not years to even see a full project go through. Right. Yeah. Uh, everything from acquiring land to doing permits, to planning, uh, engineering, the construction. Then once you're done post-construction, making sure you have tenants or clients that are ready to take up your space. Um, you know, there's so many portions that go into real estate um, that are different. Commercial uh, is very different than uh, residential. Right. Uh, the returns are uh, look very different, you know, um, so, you know, there's a whole gambit of what's going on. Um, we're even talking about something like, you know, even agricultural land, which is still considered real estate. Yep. I mean, right now, Gates owns the most amount of farmland in the United States. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that everyone dabbles in it in a certain way. It doesn't have to be your core business, but it's definitely when you see the very ultra successful people real estate is part of their portfolio in quite a big way. Yeah. And, and now, so sorry, one quick question about, um, Airbnbs. So I know you have an Airbnb in, uh, in, on the East coast. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So Airbnbs. so coming back to real estate, you know, um, every market is different. So I had had a lot of my experience in Africa doing a bunch of this commercial development and construction. Um, so we moved back out here and uh, one of our dear friends uh, was uh, an agent in, on the East Coast. And she was like, hey, I think there's a lot of opportunity within this um, market. So we looked at opportunities and we finally found something that um, we liked. And with a little bit of handholding, um, we sort of put up our first uh, listing on Airbnb and it's been about a year. And I'll tell you, it is a fantastic business model to be in. Um, there are some people that own, you know, multiple units of these. Um, and there's some people like myself that just have one. Um, and there's so many ways to cut, cut the pie on this. Yeah. So if you look at the TikTokers and all the people online that are like, hey, you just have to find a place and rent it and you could do this and you could do that, you know. Uh, yes, some of them are totally right. Uh, regulation on Airbnbs are constantly changing throughout the country, city to city. Just like in San Diego right now, there's a definite crackdown on Airbnbs because there's not enough general housing to support the existing population. Yep. So they've reduced the number of Airbnbs that are allowed to cater for that so that hopefully that there's more housing that comes onto the market and the rents can come down. So, right. Each market is going to be different. 
An another interesting area, like look at the desert where they have Coachella. Yeah. Okay? So check this out. In that area, you cannot do short-term rentals. So a long-term rental is one month or more. So Coachella is two weekends. So you have to find two groups of people that are ready to uh, book this house for a whole month. So one group can come the first weekend and the second group can come the second weekend. So, you know, you can share that listing or whatever, Yeah. but you can't do less than a month. So, you know, it makes things a little bit difficult, right? So you have to know what you're getting into before you get into the Airbnb business. That's number one, especially when it comes to regulations. Number two, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to make all of this money and, you know, I'm going to get, you know, $10,000 worth of bookings in a, in a month. And you don't understand that there's other fees like utilities, cleaning, yeah. uh, you know, there's ongoing running costs to operate a property, right? So you make, may make, you know, $10,000, right? Um, net or gross, but you may only net maybe a thousand. Right? Yep. So you're going to invest 15 hours a week only to net a thousand dollars you'd rather work 15 hours a week you know getting paid 40 bucks an hour and make right. the same right? right so it's like you really have to sort of understand where your time is going into with real estate especially if you don't own it right because uh i think that if you own a property and you're paying down your mortgage and your principal balance is going down that's where you're really making dent in your long-term uh, wealth. Um, yes. So what Imran is talking about is Airbnb arbitrage, where you'll see YouTubers and people on Instagram and TikTok saying, hey, go find and lease an apartment and then basically list it on Airbnb and make a profit off that, which one, most of the time it's against, there's a, you know, a clause in your contract that says you cannot do short-term rentals. You cannot sublease. You can't you can't do Airbnb basically, but people will do it anyways and then get themselves trapped in these long-term contracts and they don't own the property. So none of that is coming back in terms of uh, equity, right? Yeah. So I, I think that there's always going to be these get rich quick, easy, no work put in, just go lease list. And then you're cash flowing. Like if it was that easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. Everybody would do it. And, you know, th there are people that are, and I don't want to take away from the people that are doing it successfully. Yep. There's definitely markets around the U.S. that you can do that. And, you know, there's a very big upside, right? Um, but for myself, I don't think that that's uh, um, uh, something that I like to engage in. Right. right? Um, especially when I don't have skin in the game, right? Um, cause you feel the pinch when there's a pinch and when there's a win, you get to celebrate those too. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. you know, you have to prepare for both of those. Right. And mm -hmm. if there's, you know, if there's fewer pinches in, in the game and there's more wins, you know, year after year, you can keep that going, you know, um, after five, 10, 15, 20 years, that's where you really see the difference in your portfolio in real estate. And like mm -hmm. I said earlier, you know, Warren Buffett says real estate's a 10 year game, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people that bought houses in like, let's say 2018 and sold them for double. I mean, nobody could, uh, 
uh, sort of guess that that's what the market was going to do. Yeah, right. Um, and yes, people did very, very well during that time, but that's typically not how the real estate cycle moves. So, uh, so if somebody if somebody is sitting with close to zero or even maybe negative in their bank account, but they want to get started investing in real estate, where would they start? So if you have zero dollars in your account or negative dollars in your account, I would say the first thing that you need to do is just get a sales job and start yeah. earning money and save. Okay. You cannot get into real estate without money. That's yep. if anybody's telling you that or is going to give you a place, maybe they are, maybe you can qualify for FHA on the income that you're earning or whatever it is, but um, it's, it's un typically unheard of. So I would say number, number one is just to make sure you have enough of a nest egg. Um, I know our market here in San Diego is pretty much one of the most expensive markets, but you can go out and look at so many different markets. There's Texas, there's Florida, there's Arizona, there's yeah. so many other places. The one downside and one thing that I'll tell everybody is buy within an area you can travel to. What does that mean? If you're buying an investment property and your tenant calls you and says, hey, my dishwasher is broken, you can drive over there and fix it. You can attend to that problem, you know, very quickly. You don't want to have to fly somewhere. You don't want to have to call somebody. Those, all of that is going to be very, very expensive. Owning a home is not easy because there's so many things that, you know, for example, when we were growing up, there was a hurricane and a, a tree fell on our place, <laughs> right? So, and, and it's just, I mean, it didn't create a lot of damage, but there was enough that, you know, you have to take care of it. And it's an unforeseen expense. Are right. you going to let your, you know, a huge asset go down the drain for a $20,000 roof? No, you got to fix that 20 grand roof, right? Right. Um, right. And those are some of the things that uh, are part of the deal with homeownership, right? Nothing may happen for 10 years and all of a sudden you have a bathroom flood. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just can't, it's just part of what happens, right? Yeah. Um, and because of that, I would say, especially for your first one, you should have it within a region where you can sort of reach, um, at a very quick period, right? Yeah. Your tenant or whatever calls you, you have access, right? And one thing that I really love what you said is get a sales job that I, I wasn't actually expecting to hear that from you, but that is the number one way to make money, no matter where you are, right? If you can sell a product. You know, that's, I mean, that's usually the business, any business out there, it's usually their number one struggle is not having enough customers or they can always take more. So if you can bring me customers that pay me money, why wouldn't I give you a small piece of that? So if exactly. you are struggling to make money, you, you got to go get a sales job. And especially if you're in business for yourself, or if you're starting a business, a sales job will allow your business to be so much more successful because you have those skills, right? In order to be in business, you have to stay in business. And in order to stay in business, you got to get that money flowing. So I will add that, um, I've heard, I've never done one of these deals, but I've heard from people, uh, in terms of, if you want to start real estate with no money, I've heard that house flipping or not house flipping, but wholesaling houses where basically you go find, which is tough to do in this market, but you go find a property that's sitting that maybe somebody doesn't own, somebody died, whatever. You find out who owns that house 
And maybe if there's a divorce or somebody died and they inherited the house and they want to get rid of the house super fast, but below market value, you can basically earn the contract to go find a buyer and negotiate a wiggle room. So if you go see a property that's sitting on the corner in this rinky dinky neighborhood and it's got terrible, you know, trees and grass growing like crazy. The house is run down. You know, something's up. And if you can get in contact with whoever owns that house and say, Hey, let me know your price. I'm going to find somebody who will come by sight unseen cash with, for this price. Right. And maybe they say, I want 250,000. You go out and you find somebody that will, will pay 300,000 for the house. You just made $50,000 cash on a deal like that. Now they're really rare. You have to work incredibly hard to get these deals, but I've heard of people making millions of dollars a year, just wholesaling. And you can then take that money and parlay it into either flipping oh, yeah. houses or, you know, buying yeah, real estate. Totally. There's that. I mean, there's something else that a lot of people don't also talk about because so um, wholesaling houses um, is sort of under a bracket of like, so there's real estate and then there's real estate that is like, not so fun and that's probably not the right terminology for it yeah um but another thing that's sort of in that bracket is you know uh buying up homes that are tax delinquent yeah i mean uh, that, a lot of the times that's what wholesaling is right those are some yeah. of the properties people go so you, after you can you can go on there any county will will tell you hey this property is uh, uh hasn't been paying taxes or whatever and you could literally go in and pay the taxes for that home and the government will assign you those taxes. So it could be like a half a million dollar home and the delinquent taxes may only be like five or $6,000. And if you buy the note for those taxes and you pay that, pay the government that money, you technically own that home now. You could evict the people out of their home. So I put those types of deals in that type of bracket. I don't necessarily like to even he's go saying, down those He's saying holes. they're sketchy. That's what he's they're saying. They're, they're, they're shitty they're, to do. <laughs> yeah, they're shitty to do. You don't want to be the person that's behind throwing people out of their home, yeah. right? Uh, you know, gentrification 101, okay, is there's a neighborhood with, um, you know, people with low income. All of a sudden, this neighborhood is starting to creep up on the fun part of the city. So what does the city do? Oh, we're going to raise the taxes on these people. Yeah. Right. Now, interestingly enough, when you look at um, low income neighborhoods, you'll be surprised for me to tell you that a lot of the people actually own their homes. Yep. And you'll be like, what? What do you mean? Well, their grandparents in the 70s were hardworking and they paid their mortgages. Yep. Right. So now these people living in those homes, they don't have mortgages, but they're just lazy and they don't have jobs, right? Yeah. So they don't have to worry about rent. But now all of a sudden, the the local government increases their taxes that went from like, let's say $100 a month to let's say $1,500 a month. Yeah. Now, you know, person X that never had to worry about even working now has a $1,500 a month tax bill, you know, after not paying it for a year or two, you know, all of a sudden it pops up on those websites and now you're kicking out this family that's lived in this home for, you know, maybe 80 plus years. Right. right? And so gentrification 101, that's kind of what happens. But there is an agency that I know of in D.C. And what they do is they're advocating they're advocating for families like this. Yeah, because it's happened so much 
that what they'll do is they'll get these lists and then instead of letting you know the sharks come in and do the sketchy deals they'll come in and say hey guys you have a bit of equity in your house your house may be worth three or four hundred thousand dollars why don't we all group together and sell it to a big developer everyone will cash out they'll pay your delinquent taxes and you'll have a little bit of money to maybe move further away you know rather than leaving somebody stranded with zero equity and zero money yeah. to their name right yep so and that's not everybody there are community development uh, organizations that do stuff like this to help protect uh, uh, the lower income communities because yeah. essentially there are lower income because they probably don't have the right education. They don't have access to the information um, or whatever have you. Right. So, uh, you know, I applaud those people that are trying to do a little bit of good. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. And, and, and just to be clear for everybody listening, um, wholesaling isn't, it doesn't always have to be sharky like that. Sometimes it can actually be a really good thing because if somebody just inherited this house and maybe, or if somebody's going through a divorce and they want to get rid of a house before the wife takes all their stuff and they, they don't care if they lose $200,000 on a property or a hundred thousand dollars, cause they're going to lose that whole house. If they don't get rid of it, you know, th there's situations like this where people need the money and they're, they're very happy to get rid of equity in their home for the convenience of getting a deal done quickly. That's in almost any kind of field. So just oh, to be sure. clear, 90% of wholesalers are scumbags. Like I've worked with them. I refuse. I don't care how much money they come to me with a check. I refuse to work with most wholesalers because they're, they're, they're sharks. They're not, they're not, they're, they're, yeah, we, I mean, we already talked about some of the practices, but um, some of them are not. So just to be clear. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and we can't, you know, blanketly say everybody in this industry is not is a uh, not a very good player. So, yeah, you're you're very correct in saying that there are there is a portion of definitely people that are doing very good good things for people out there, um, but that's not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, Imran, um, if you were to talk to somebody who has a business now and they want to grow their business, what would you tell that person? Uh, how to grow your business. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we came, we spoke about this earlier before we started this, but I think, you know, your, your network is probably one of your strongest things that you have, right? So a lot of people start to look outside of their network first. And I like to remind people that your network is probably the place where you need to tap into initially. Yep. And people may already know you and say, Hey, Kevin, you're, you're doing this thing, but you know, they sort of forget about it and they know that you're doing it, but they're not able to connect the dots for you because you haven't approached them. Yeah. Right? Um, so, you know, just going back to the people that, you know, and saying, Hey, I'm working on this or I'm doing that. I remember you spoke to me about, you know, ABC and how can we now connect these dots? How can we bridge the gap to, turn this from a thought into business or into sales or into like monetary benefit for you and I. Yeah. And usually it'll work out better because maybe your, your person within your circle of influence, your friend, you know, he may have a product and he'll sell you that product and you can make a profit on it or, yeah. you know, so both of you win or, you know, whatever it is. Right. So you're both going to be able to win from just your circle of influence. Right. Love it, man. Uh, I don't know about yourself, but I find it easy to make friends or connect with people. Not everyone's that way. 
right? But again, going out to the right places, joining the right clubs like the university club or, you know, uh, attending business talks or, you know, going to different galas, making sure you're, uh, you know, you're part of the different business groups uh, around the city, um, you know, it can definitely help you out in terms of building your brand and getting your name out there. Yeah. Well, when you're trained in networking, man, you, I mean, you really are a master of the art. So um, Imran, thank you so much for coming on Biz Talks with Kevin Feely. I appreciate it. And guys, if you guys are in San Diego and you are looking for any kind of construction partner, um, Imran, where can they reach you at?